1: The Drive Show, with Peter Vlahos. Toolmart, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA-owned and operated for over 40 years. A a
2: Wasn't it great to have Trevor Gleeson in the SCN WA studios? Great to see Trev here. Of course, he was there with uh, Hayes and Damo on the run home this afternoon. and He's still here having a chat here with Damien Martin and Hayes and a few of the other uh, people in the studio. Great to see him back. Back for a month before he heads back to Canada, of course, involved as an assistant coach at the Toronto Raptors. Big show coming up between now and six. Stay with us. So we're going to be speaking shortly to Jeff Valentine. He's the Peel Thunder coach. And we're going to talk to him about, naturally, Peel Thunder and how they're progressing. Good win last week against Claremont. And also the return of Nat Fife to the Waffle.
1: It was his idea, to be honest. Um, Yeah, he knows his body better than anyone and he knows his confidence, so... He thinks this is the right step for him, um, yeah, to have a you know big crack at the second half of the year. So we just re- listen to him, really.
2: And that's Justin me the coach of the Fremantle Dockers, saying it was Nat Fife's decision to, to uh, decide to turn out for the WAFL at the weekend for Peel Thunder. Well, one of the great sports commentators uh, has called it a day today. Uh, he's known as Ray Rabbits Warren a legendary National Rugby League commentator and has called many a big game, many a state of origin series for the Nine Network.
3: This crowd is really, really enjoying it out here tonight.
1: Walker down the right. Junie! 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 That is a super try! That is Rugby League! I can't believe it! I
2: can't believe it! Uh, the voice of Rugby League has commentated his last game with the veteran broadcasting announcing his immediate retirement from calling footy. 78 years of age years he will not commentate this year's State of Origin series, ending months of speculation about his future. Warren did sign a five-year contract with Channel 9 in 2017, extending through until the end of this season, but he has not appeared in the commentary box during uh, this year. We'll speak to Chris Warren, his son, about uh, Dad's uh, great role and contribution to Rugby League. Chris himself has been a Rugby League commentator and now involved in the Rugby League with the West Tigers. So I'll speak to Chris Warren. And also we'll speak to Michael Lamonato, who is a Formula One and motorsport rider and expert. He's right across what's happening in Formula One. And we're going to find out where exactly... Daniel Ricardo sits regarding his future at F1, and in particular at McLaren. Uh, as we know, both the Australian and his McLaren team have admitted their relationship hasn't met each other's expectations. So we'll see where he thinks his future lies. And the mid-season draft has uh, just commenced. Pick one going to the West Coast Eagles. And as expected, no surprises, Jai Cully has been taken by the West Coast Eagles. Jai Cully has been taken by the West Coast Eagles. That has been the prediction for the last few days leading in to the mid-season draft. And we'll keep you up to date uh, with everything else uh, that transpires with the mid-season draft. Jeff Valentine is about to join us in just a moment. And as I said, he's the coach of the Peel Thunder. Just some other news that's been going around. As we know, a huge uh, tennis match. Uh, was played in the early hours of this morning, and it was Rafael Nadal. Could he make it 14 French Opens in a row? He defeated Novak Djokovic in a thrilling match, 6-2, 4-6, 6-2, 7-6. And this is what Nadal had to say post-game.
4: A very emotional night for me, and uh, i still playing for nights uh, like today. Uh... <sighs> But uh, it's just a quarterfinals match, no. So uh, I didn't win anything. <laughs> so I, I I just give myself a chance to be back on court in two days. Uh, Playing another semifinals here in in Roland Garros means <laughs> a lot to me. Uh, and uh if I am not playing good or if I am losing in that semi finals match not gonna be because I am not gonna be focused on that semi finals match. the crowd have been amazing uh since the beginning of the tournament uh I don't know i think uh, <laughs> probably they know that uh not gonna be uh, i'm not gonna be here for <laughs> for uh, a lot of more times so uh yeah i mean hmm the 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 feeling uh, about playing in the most important place uh, and the most important special place personally in my tennis career and feel the support of all the crowd is just something very difficult to the, to describe now so just uh, can't thank enough uh, everyone here in. In Paris, uh, for for making me feel that way, you know, have been one of these unforgettable nights. So thank you very much, everyone.
2: Yeah, there you go, Rafael Nadal. And if he wins the French Open, he's into the semis now. He's knocked out the number one seed, Novak Djokovic, will make it 14 French Opens, and more importantly, 22 Grand Slams, and will be two ahead of uh, Novak and also Roger Federer. So could he go down as the greatest? of all time. Well, Jeff Valentine now joins us, uh, the coach of Peel Thunder, as we continue as we normally do here on Drive with Peter Vlahos, uh, touching base with our great WAFL clubs. And what an even competition it is. Jeff, thanks for your time and thanks for being patient.
0: Yeah, pleasure, Peter.
2: No worries at all. I'll repeat that. What an even competition we've got this year, apart and no disrespect to the West Coast Eagles who are yet to record a game. A win, I should say. Yeah,
0: no, look, it is. Yeah, it, it it is. Yeah, and we we'll probably feel a little bit disappointed we, we dropped a couple of home games early, um, because yeah, we're right in the in the pack and, and every game is, is sort of critically critically important Subiaco this week. Um is a game that separates us, so it's um no it's a very exciting time for the Waffle.
2: That was a big win last week. You pulled off a twenty two point win over Clamon after again another slow start.
0: Yeah, yeah, look, I actually thought we, we started better sort of in and around the contest. A couple of turnovers in in D50 gifted them a a few goals. But, um, yeah, we were sort of always in it through the contested possessions and the clearances. And, um, yeah, then we really got going in that second and third quarter. And um, that was a a really good win against some good opposition.
2: There hasn't been a huge injury list for the Fremantle Dockers. So you've had a few of the Fremantle-listed players at your disposal, uh, including Josh Tracy, Mitch Croden last week, who were very good. How have you handled it?
0: Yeah, look, it's, um, yeah, you work hard on the connection piece and we've, you know, been doing a lot of work, um, you know, on that, you know, going back to sort of pre-Christmas, getting the the groups together wherever you can. Um, You know, there's a strong alignment between both clubs in terms of, Um, you know, values and and what they're looking to get out of the season. Um, You know, and they're just really good young men on on both sides of the park. So, um, no, that hasn't been too big an issue at all. It's a bit of a a revolving door sometimes um, with the Frio boys in and out and and even with the Waffle boys with COVID, you know, I think we've got sort of four or five sort of each week that are uh, unavailable. So um, we're not the only club dealing with, with those sorts of issues. So, now uh, that Your best 22 is the 22 you got on the weekend. and um, Look, that was good enough to get it done last week and, and hopefully it's good enough to get it done this week as well. Well, you think it'll be enhanced
2: for the match against Subiaco this week at Leederville Oval. Uh, there is uh, one Fremantle-listed player who I believe will be playing with you on the weekend.
0: Yeah, Nat, yeah. That that's, um, has been confirmed by, by JL and the, the footy club. So, no, look, that'll be very exciting, for, but not just for the... I suppose, all parties involved. You know, we've got some young Peel fellas that are going to um, be sort of look second-guessing themselves when they look across the change rooms and, and see Nat Fife sort of suiting up. It'll be great for the, the Frio family to, you know, have their captain back playing footy and, and sort of really sort of gearing up towards a strong second half. And, and I suppose, that, you know, even the, the broader competition, you know, mm. just to see our champions of the game Sort of back and, um, and doing what they do best. So, no, nah, it's going to be very exciting for, for everyone involved.
2: I know that the host broadcaster, Channel 7, have made the switch and will televise that game because of uh, Nat Fife's involvement and the interest that would be created, uh, the match between Peel and Subiaco. Does it put any added pressure on you as a coach to make sure that you don't totally focus on somebody that's got a couple of brown low medals and is an elite player playing his first waffle game for over a decade?
0: Nah, not, not really, Peter. I guess I'll sort of get into the game. But, you know, look, Nat's, you know, I've only known Nat for sort of six oh, months um, since I got involved with Trio, and, and he's as selfless as any player on their list. You know, he's always literally literally the last bloke to, to come off the track every week, you know, every sort of training session. Um, you know, he doesn't leave. Just when his rehab's done, he's, he's there um, when the session finishes, and, and I've got no doubt that he'll come in and he'll be, be really explicit in, in what his role is and how that fits into the team. And, um, and he'll be just looking to, to get through the game and, and play his role and, and build on it from there. So, no, uh, mm. he's very well-grounded, um, young fella. So, um, no, I don't think we'll have any issues there. It's great that I've got you on,
2: actually, uh, Jeff, because, as I mentioned, Jai Cully has been picked up in the mid-season draft uh, as forecast and gone to West Coast. We've just heard that Wade Dirksen from Peel Thunder has been oh, picked good. up in the mid-season draft. He's going to the GWS Giants.
0: Ah, oh, there you go. There you go. How exciting for him. Yeah, no, look, it's been a, a storm of publicity and, um, and, uh, you know, attention for, for Wade and oh, look, that's a fantastic story. You know, probably a couple of weeks ago, I, I didn't think it'd probably happen, but, um, look, the, the interest has just sort of grown over the last few weeks and no, oh, look, that's fantastic. It's a, a wonderful story for, for him and, um, uh, his young family and, you know, what he sort of, um, sacrifices that he's made to, to give footy a go and, um, no, look, it's, uh, yeah, really exciting. And it's, a, I suppose, a credit to the Peel Footy Club. You know, mm. like no-one knew of Wade Dirksen, you know, last year. And they did the hard yards and, and sort of got up to Darwin and, and sort of brought him down. And so to, um, yeah, to sort of put him into the AFL system after only two, three games of, of league footy. Um, it, it's fantastic. And it's sort of testimony to the work that, Matty Rose at Peel and Paul Leckie, is there the CEO of Brisbane and the the director of footy down there have done it. It's a, a wonderful environment for young fellas. Sandy Brock was another example last year who came down from Darwin and end up on Gold Coast list. So, no, it's proved a, a fruitful sort of um, recruiting ground that we've. I think we've probably got a total of about eight, eight or ten games out of the two young fellas that have gone into the system. But, um, no, that's the way it goes, and good luck to them.
2: Yeah, just repeating, Wade Dirksen, pick five, actually. He's gone from Peel Thunder to GWS in the mid-season draft. So, congratulations to Wade, and uh, well done, Geoff. Uh, were there whispers around the club that this may happen, or is it a complete surprise for you?
0: No, nah, no, nah, look, yeah, the, the noise, um, you know, the, the drums were really starting to beat over the last few days. Um, because obviously, he did a little bit of training with, with Fremantle sort of pre-Christmas, um, you know, and he wasn't able to, to be part of the, the, the train-on train on sort of squad. I'm not sure what they call it, but they can get a few players in for two or three weeks. And because he hadn't nominated for the draft, um, he couldn't do that. And then even even leading into this draft, I think when they first announced um, who was eligible, he, he wasn't eligible because he hadn't nominated last year. And then there was obviously a bit of noise amongst the AFL clubs, and they the AFL sort of reversed that decision and said, no, okay. Um, he is eligible. And, um, yeah, then over the last few weeks, it's been a steady procession of phone calls from uh, from a whole host of clubs, um, you know, inquiring about him. So I've got to the point where you just thought, well, geez, there's enough interest in here that, you know, one of them's going to grab him. So to, to go to the Giants, you know, they're a really good club. Had a bit to do with Sammy Taylor a few years ago, and he speaks really highly of them. So uh, Dirk's will fit in really well over there.
2: Oh, fantastic. Let's get back to Peel. Big game against Subiaco. Are you surprised that the perennial finalists are struggling a bit? Only two wins from their first six games, the Lions?
0: No, look, I I guess the the way of the the world a little bit, you know, they're sort of missing a few players. You take sort of Greg Clark and and Nick Martin out of that sort of midfield and that mid-forward connection. I was looking through sort of Brought and Atkinson, a couple of big fellas that have been really influential. You know, haven't played a lot of football. Harry Marsh only played I think his first game back last week, so he'll be better for the run so no, nah, look it's you know if you if you don't get you know good continuity in your squad you, you can sort of struggle and it is such an even competition if you're not improving you're you're going backwards so um yeah, look, they've just sort of you know dropped a couple of games they'd like to get back, but you know we all know with Subiaco they're a, a really strong resilient club, and, and you know we know what we'll, what we'll get this week we'll have to be really strong in the contest, you know kitchen and della and... Harry Marsh and these fellas, they really want to go to work inside, so um, Marsh Shapes is a, mm. a great contest.
2: And Blair Bell, who's been a, a great warrior for Peel Thunder, still doing his bit in front of goals, Kick three last week. Uh, he's been a great focal point for you for a while, hasn't he?
0: Oh, look, he's a, hes a wonderful um, servant of the, the Peel Footy Club, you know. I, uh, you know, lovingly call him the, the Mayor of Mandra because he just <laughs> epitomised all that's, all that's good about Mandra. you know. He actually sort of Works on the water. He's one of the few guys that has a professional fishing license um, in and around the estuary down there. He's, I'm sure, he's knocked back plenty of um, offers to, to go to other waffle clubs a, along the way. And um, look, he never misses training. You know, once he gets into the season, he trains hard. He's yeah, just a, a wonderful fella for the footy club. So uh, yeah, no, he's he's led us really really strongly in the absence of Ben Hancock. We, we sort of missed him since round one. And, I think Blair's sort of coming up to his hundredth game in the next few weeks. So, um, you know, the footy club hasn't had a lot of lot of hundred game servants, so um no, that'll well and truly, really sort of put him in the um, you know into the legends of the Peel Footy Club.
2: Good on you, Jeff. Uh, lovely to talk to you on uh, a special day for the Peel Footy Club. Just repeating, Wade Dirksen has been picked up uh, by the Peel from the Peel Thunder to the Greater Western Sydney Giants in the mid-season draft. Jai Cully has gone to West Coast, and Bryn Teekle, of course, from East from out. A lot has been said about Bryn. Pick number eight. He's been drafted by Port Adelaide, so a pretty fruitful. Mid-season oh, draft, for him, yeah, though, yeah, yeah, for our, our young players in the WAFL, which shows the importance of the WAFL, Jeff. As we let you go,
0: geez, you got to feel free, man. i love lost Trinatica, um, Hugh Dixon, and now Bryn Tickle. So um, that's a tough way when you get in only six rounds in just to lose <laughs> three big men, but. Um, it's also a testimony to the, the job they're doing in terms of their, their development.
2: Yeah, and of course, it's the big Frio Derby on WA Day as well. Each man on top of the WAFL ladder taking on South. Thanks for joining us, Jeff, and we'll keep in touch. Thanks, Peter. Bye. Good on you. Uh, great to chat to Jeff Valentine. It was good that uh, that news broke here on the, the program with Wade Dirksen. Good luck to him. Thanks, Jimmy, for relaying that information on. We've got. Jimmy and Bray out there monitoring the mid-season draft. We're going to take a break, come back with more in a moment. You can join us anytime on the Tempera at Bedshed text line 0487 736 736. Bed Shed are the experts in temper mattresses, pillows and adjustable bases. Check the range of temper products in store or visit bedshed.com.au. Or give us a call on the Scarborough Toyota Open Line, 13 You can sell your car to Scarborough Toyota. They buy all makes and models down there in Scarborough Beach Road in Aussie Park. Scarborough Toyota, the best Toyota dealership in the land. Don't forget, double demerits apply from midnight tomorrow night until midnight Monday for drink or drug driving, not wearing a seatbelt or running a red light. Get caught and you could lose your licence twice as fast. As I mentioned, later in the show, I'll be speaking to Chris Warren, who's the son of Ray Rabbits Warren, who today announced his retirement from Broadcasting Rugby League. He's done multiple State of Origin series. In fact, his career spans many decades, and we'll get the latest from his son. Uh, He's 78 years of age. He's called every State of Origin series that I can remember, and... uh, He won't be calling the State of Origin campaign that uh, starts next week. Uh, He has stepped down from calling rugby league effective immediately. But uh, what a voice he had and what an icon of sports broadcasting. Love, apart from Dennis Cometti and Ray Warren, who to me sit at the top of the AFL and the rugby league tree. Who are the others that you think, in even in other sports, have been symbolic in, release, in relation to being elite at broadcasting a particular sport that you followed? Love to hear from you. Come and join us on the open line, or oh, the uh, text line 0487 736, 736 We'll take a break. Come back with more in a moment.
1: The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years.
2: Great to have your company, uh, and we're asking with the uh, retirement today effective immediately from calling rugby league. Ray Warren has called his last game of rugby league. We know Dennis Cometti was regarded as probably the greatest ever AFL commentator. There were certainly some great commentators in the 60s and 70s that called Australian rules football in the uh, around the country, but in modern times with AFL and, of course, the national competition they call the National Rugby League, you'd have to say it has been Dennis Cometi and also Ray Warren. Now, uh, you can't go past Martin Tyler in the English Premier League, and, of course, he's called World Cups. Uh, He has an incredible voice and so much passion. That's Sam from Australind. I agree, Sam, and I had the privilege of actually working with Martin Tyler some years ago at a World Cup. Uh, he was the broadcaster and I was part of the, the reporting uh, and commentary team and he really is outstanding. And what's good about Martin Tyler is he will call a game by himself. He will be the only broadcaster and he will call 90 minutes of a high profile, whether it be a World Cup match or a Premier League match, by himself. Occasionally they put a analyst with him. But many a time, he's called it by himself. And his ability to actually go through the whole 90 minutes and you don't get bored with his voice and his ability to keep it very moderate and then go with the highs and the lows, depending on the game, is really an art. Uh, So, yeah, Martin Tyler's a good one. Good on you, Sam, from Australind. Others in other sports, uh, give us your thoughts on the... Tempera bedshed text line 0487736736 or the Scarborough Toyota open line 131255. Uh, Asebit uh, Cork from East Perth. Ah, damn it. He's a good full forward. He's been kicking goals for us. He's going to Frio. Well, there you go. Go on, Asebit. Uh, he's been good, the youngs. He's only a young fella. And uh, as I said, he's been playing up front uh, at full forward for East Perth and kicking a few goals. No, I'm only, uh, I'm only being stupid. Congratulations to the young fella. Off to the Fremantle Dockers who had pick 15. So just repeating, pick one, Jai Cully to West Coast. This is the West Australians. Pick five, Wade Dirksen, who we spoke to Jeff Valentine, the coach of Peel Thunder, about. He's gone to GWS. Pick eight was Bryn Teakle, who has been discussed quite a bit uh, amongst commentators and commentary in newspapers drafted to Port Adelaide. Uh, pick 15, Jai uh, Sebet Kuek from East Perth has gone to Fremantle, and West Coast Eagles have passed on pick 16. So that brings you up to date with what has happened. Okay. Um, 0487 736 736. The temperate bedshed text line or the Scarborough Toyota open line. Give us a call 13 12 55. As I mentioned, uh, a big tennis match in the early hours of this morning. It was Rafael Nadal defeating Novak Djokovic. In fact... Uh, Nadal's come in for a bit of criticism. I got up this morning around about five o'clock to watch it. The match was due to start at three. And when I got up, they basically had played two sets in two hours. And American tennis legend John McEnroe has fumed at Nadal's ongoing issues with the shot clock, taking aim at the Spanish star during their quarterfinal match this morning, our time. As we don't, Nadal... And Djokovic faced off for a 59th time this morning. And the 21-time Grand Slam champion claimed that victory 6-2, 4-6, 6-2, 7-6. But the marathon contest lasted four hours for four sets. And Nadal, to be fair, and I noticed it, took ages to do go through his pre-serve routine. And the shot clock most times wasn't running. He only allowed 25-second countdown while serving. Well, let me tell you, there are times when Nadal went well over 25 seconds, and that would have added to the duration of the match. And McEnroe was not impressed that Nadal repeatedly avoided punishment during this contest with Novak Djokovic. And credit where credit's due, congratulations to Novak Djokovic, he didn't lose his call at all. I can see at times his body language suggested he was a bit frustrated with the time that Dahl was taking because he goes through that routine repeatedly before every serve. So uh, John McEnroe, uh, who's never backward in coming forward, has gone bang on uh, Rafael Nadal regarding the shot clock. Here's some other texts that have coming through just to let you know that Buddy Franklin will remain on the sidelines. Uh, we've just got the text. Uh, hi, Pete. Good to hear that Buddy's week on the sideline remains. Yes, uh, his striking charge against Trent Cochin that was appealed by the Sydney Swans. They've lost at the tribunal. Uh, in fact, Duncan Miller, who's Buddy's advocate said, and this is pretty cheeky actually, he said, Trent Conchin might earn an invite to the Logies instead of the Brownlow medal. So, uh, Bit of a cheap shot there by uh, Buddy's advocate in Duncan Miller. Could it be a bit of sore grapes or sour grapes because uh, he didn't get uh, Buddy off? So there you go. Buddy has lost at the tribunal and will miss uh, the game this weekend for the Sydney Swans. We're going to take a break, come back and look at the future of Daniel Ricciardo, our very own, the boy from Dun Craig, the boy that went to Maris Newman, senior high school. Is his days with McLaren numbered. Uh, and we'll speak to Michael Lamonardo, the Formula One and motorsport rider. He's a real expert. We'll have a chat to him next here on Drive with Peter Vlahos.
1: The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years.
2: It's getting dark a lot earlier these days, isn't it? Uh, We're heading towards the uh, shortest day of the year. I think it's uh, June the 22nd. And then after that, it starts getting a bit better as we head towards uh, out of winter. Although it does go three months and maybe into spring. I don't like winter, but anyway, that's just me. All right, um, on the uh, temper of bedshed text line zero four eight seven seven three six seven three six. Lisa says, sorry, Peter, sent message uh, about Buddy Frank without putting a name to it. I'm disappointed that Eagles didn't pick up Bryn Teekle. I think they could do with a Ruckman after Nick Nat retires. Good on you, Lisa. Uh, thanks for that and continue listening to the drive program with Peter Vlahos, all thanks to Toolmart, the Complete Tool Centre. Kim Hagdon's in tomorrow night. I'm going to actually throw it to Hags because Hags did go as the prediction on Monday, suggesting that Nat Fife would play for the Fremantle Dockers in the game against the Brisbane Lions at the weekend and even uh, suggested the position that he could play. But anyway, uh, we'll uh, have a chat to Hags about it tomorrow night when he joins us on AFL Footy Teams Night. Well, let's have a look at Daniel Ricardo and where he's at at the moment with Le- Le McLaren. Uh, Michael Laminato is uh, a Formula One and motorsport rider come expert and he's uh, taken the time to join us here on Drive with Peter Vlahos here on SENWA. Michael, thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. We just had the Monaco Grand Prix. Uh, it's one that you find hard to watch because you can't overtake. Let me tell you, one of the most <laughs> breathtaking aspects of Monaco is the scenery, let me tell you. Michael, how do you see that Grand Prix?
1: Yeah, I mean, the yachts are spectacular, aren't they? It looks like everyone's having a great time on them. Not that I can ever say I've ever been on one. They all likely will ever be on one. But it is quite the spectacle for a race. And that is the magic of it. I mean, Monaco really happens on Saturday in qualifying when everyone's going flat out, getting as close to the walls as they can get, some of them a little bit too close, of course, and causing problems. But then on Sunday, yes, there's very little overtaking to be had. But there's no place like it on the Formula 1 calendar. And so... Hopefully, it sticks around. It is out of contract, but hopefully, it will continue to be that thread through the history of Formula One.
2: Yeah, no, it's amazing. And actually, over the years, Daniel Ricciardo hasn't done too bad there, has he? Even though, as we're about to talk about him, and he's, he's got some challenging times ahead. But I think over the years, he's been okay there.
1: Yeah, I think, and look, my calculations are not always exactly right, but I'm pretty sure this is his highest scoring circuit. At least it was before he arrived at McLaren. Mm. He has always done... Very well. There, of course, he picked up one win. Should have had another in 2016, but for a couple of strategy mistakes on his team's part. But he was far and away the best performer on that weekend. And He does typically go well at street circuits as well. He loves the jeopardy of being right up against the walls there. And of course, and I, I don't, I know this is where we're going, but in years gone by, certainly when he was just at the peak of his confidence, I don't want to say ability because I think it's still there, but when he was really at the peak of his confidence. That's what these tracks really want. They want a driver that's confident in the car and there was Almost no one better watching, certainly in his era, in this generation, watching circulate at a place mm. like Monaco.
2: Michael, let's talk a bit about Daniel. Uh, we love him dearly. He's from uh, our hood over here in Western Australia. He's got a huge uh, allegiance of fans. He's still got old uh, schoolmates that he hangs out with when the season is over. He comes back to Perth, hangs out with his high school mates. They go down south and they just basically do what they did as high school uh, mates. But in the professional bubble that is formula one racing it appears everything is not a hundred percent regarding daniel and his mclaren brand where are the negotiations at the moment how do you think it'll play out come the end of the season
1: Well, this is an interesting question because he's in his second of a three-year deal. He's not even really out of contract this season. And so while there's been a lot of pressure on him this year, particularly in the last three weeks, let's say, when he had a bit of an off race in Miami and then a properly bad one in Spain and then Monaco was a bit disappearing as well. But a couple of weeks ago, this pressure really started to ramp up. And all of a sudden, there was this implication from the team boss, Zach Brown, that actually... They're talking about exit clauses in the contract. And even Daniel himself, which I thought was was strange, he put it down to just sort of being asked a question immediately after getting out of the car and not really having his head in the right place, suggested that they were going to be talking about his contract this year. Uh, That was a couple of weeks ago that he said that. And all of a sudden it seems like nothing is as certain as it should be considering that he's under contract. And, of course, the results are sort of speaking for themselves this year. He's only got a quarter of the points of of his teammate, Lando Norris, who's really been... Good and consistent, as we got used to last year. I think he's really arrived as a driver now, Lando Norris. And that's sort of really the hope that we had for him this year, Daniel Ricciardo. Last year, we knew it was a difficult year with the car. We assumed that this year, with new regulations, a brand new car, we might see him back to his best. Hasn't really arrived there. And suddenly now you're wondering, well, if it's not going to arrive this year, What's happening? Why can't it happen? And what's that future mean? So there is this degree of uncertainty that's crept into the whole thing. Yeah, but he's
2: got some supporters, hasn't he? I think Jensen Button's come out, and he was absolutely flabbergasted by Zach Brown's public criticism of Daniel Ricciardo, saying really teams should protect their drivers. And because he did come out, as you mentioned, saying that Ricciardo's not met expectations. And, and the Aussie agrees. You know, Daniel Ricciardo agrees. I like his line where he says, uh, uh, an answer to his criticism My skin is tanned, beautiful, and also <laughs> thick. That uh, very, very good answer.
1: Oh, he knows he's still got those strengths as well, which is good, at least. So things are going well on, on the skin front for him. But it's right. Jensen raises a good point. It was surprising to hear Zach Brown speak like that. And sometimes, team principles from time to time, it happens anywhere in any sport sometimes they revert to maybe a little bit of tough love. You know, if the regular defensive strategy, let's say, isn't working, they might try a different, different attitude. So the, the did meet expectations thing, it was unusual, but I could write it down to that. It's when he started talking about contract, Zach Brown, that, that, that sort of was a bit of a surprise to me. Now, Daniel's given the impression that it's absolutely rolled off Uh, rolled off his back, and as you mentioned there, look, he was willing to to cop it, and he he agreed. You know, He hasn't met expectations on either side at the end of the day. He wanted more from this contract so far. McLaren wanted more from him. So things still to work through. But on the other hand, the reason I think we've still got reason to be optimistic is that up until we got to Spain, which was the round before Monaco, the season hadn't really been that bad. It hadn't been, by any stretch of the imagination, him at his very best. But he'd been on the pace with Lando Norris. I think we need to stop pretending that Lando Norris is still like a young driver who's up and coming. Lando is one of the best out there. So we shouldn't be surprised that Daniel Ricciardo should be competing just to be as quick as him. It's only been in the last couple of weeks that he's sort of fallen off the horse again with some familiar problems. So, I think that's the reason I still think we can be optimistic. We get back to some circuits that suit him a little better and suit the car a little better, and we can see him rebound.
2: Yeah. Are we getting carried away by the next generation of Formula 1 drivers, Uh, headed by Max Verstappen, who's 24? Of course, Charles Leclerc is also 24. But then you look at Lewis Hamilton, who's, I think, older than uh, Daniel's, about 37. Daniel's 32. Is there an age situation with Formula 1 drivers where you think your best is behind you? uh, Or are we getting blindsided by the success of the likes of Verstappen?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question because once upon a time, drivers didn't start nearly as young as, well, Max in particular was 18 years old, which was, I mean, record-breakingly young. Uh, You'd start much later, and traditionally the peak of a Formula One driver would be around Daniel's age, around about 30 years old, more or less. Everyone's a little bit different, and then some can really progress. I mean, Lewis Hamilton is more or less as good as ever, you'd have to say. he got a bit of a dodgy car this year. It's hard to say for sure. But even Fernando Alonso, who's 40 or 41 this year, in fact, he's driving probably as good as he ever has. So some can last quite a long time. What's sort of bringing that back a little bit is if we take Max Verstappen as example, again, 18 years old when he started in Formula One, I can't imagine him racing till he's 40. It's a very long time to be racing in motorsport. And suddenly that's going to change the way we perceive when drivers are actually at their best. Because if you're only racing till you're around 30 years old, theoretically you might be retiring at your peak, Mm. but maybe your peak actually came a little bit earlier. So It is a little bit of – there's a phrase in motorsport, if you're young enough, you're quick enough. And I think that just applies across the board now. Since we can start so young and race so old, if you're a racing driver – it's just a matter of doing the business on the track at this point. And you've got to say that the field we've got at the moment in Formula 1 is pretty deep. Very few drivers don't belong there. So as long as they're doing the business, then, then they belong there. Michael, it's been terrific chatting to you. As I'll let you go, Sergio Perez, uh,
2: who is, I think, Daniel's age, about 32, has been announced. He'll race alongside Max Verstappen at Red Bull until the end of 2024. That's been confirmed by the team. It wasn't a surprise because it had been rumoured. Uh, what sort of combination will they form?
1: Yeah, not only rumoured, he said it on a hot mic as well after the Monaco Grand Prix. So he leaked his own contract. It's a great combination. He's got him for two years. He's a real team player, which is what Red Bull really want. They want someone to support Max Verstappen. But on the other hand, this year, we've only been seven races in. He's been really quick. In fact, had luck gone a little bit differently at one or two races this year, he could have been leading this championship just on the basis of that hypothetical. So he's really having probably his career best season. That car is looking very quick. The team feels like it's getting its mojo back after a bit of a slow start to the year. They have the potential to be underratedly powerful as a combination. So I think it's a great signing for Red Bull and great for Perez, Such a popular driver and it's good to see him blossoming late in his career.
2: Good on you, Michael. It's been a pleasure. Of course, a Formula One, a motorsport rider and expert. Follow Michael Laminotto. Uh, he's the man that knows Formula One racing. Thanks for spending some time with us here on the drive program on SENWA, mate. Thank you, mate. Anytime. Good on you. Uh, there you go. Bringing you up to date with Daniel Ricciardo and also what's happening in Formula One. We're going to speak to Chris Warren. Uh, he is the son of Ray Warren, who decided today to walk away from the rugby league microphone at the age of 78. Just an absolute institution. The voice of rugby league. We'll speak to his son how the family greeted that uh, decision and how long it's been possibly in the pipeline for Ray Warren. That's coming up next here on Drive with Peter Vlahos, all thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre. All I've got to do is find one. With over 200,000 cars for sale, if it's not on car sales, is it even for sale?
3: Start your search today on Car Sales, Australia's number one for cars.
1: The Drive Show, with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA-owned and operated for over 40 years. A little driving on a Saturday night. That is really, really enjoying it out here tonight. Walker, down the right. Junie! 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 That is a super cry! That is rugby league at its best! Yes. I can't believe it! I can't believe
2: it! In the commentary, it said that is rugby league at its best. He's been the best rugby league commentator that we have uh, certainly followed. 78 years of uh, age. And today, uh, Rabs Warren, known uh, affectionately, has decided to walk away from the rugby league microphone. He's called 99 of 122 State of Origin matches, as we are on the eve next week of State of Origin 1 in a three-game series. Of course, the second one will be here at Optus Stadium. And he's called 45 NRL Grand Finals. What uh, an absolute... He's been the voice of rugby league, there's no question, and nobody is likely to replace him. Well, a man that knows him very well, and he, of course, has been involved in sport as well as a television presenter, producer, a former rugby league footballer, sports commentator as well is his son chris warren who works currently with the west tigers in the uh, national rugby league competition chris thanks for your time hey pete pleasure how are you gee rugby league won't be the same
3: no it won't um and a lot of people my son's been bringing hot today as you rightly say he is and has been the voice of rugby league for a long long time and um that's the key message. for a lot of people telling me it won't be the same, but we've got to deal with it because uh, he's made the decision. I know he's been thinking long and hard about this for a long time, and um, you know I think he's still when he was calling last year was uh, at his peak. He was still calling it uh, extremely well and, and still the best in the business. But I think like any you know any player or any athlete that they want to go out when they're at the top of their game. Uh, they don't want to bow out when it's wrong for them. And, um, you know, your heart's got to be in at 110%. And I, I just think he he felt now is the time. Um, and it's been a, a marvellous career, really, has. And, and as his son, um, very, very proud. But a, a sad day as well.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, as we know, Dennis Cometty has been the voice of AFL here yeah. for many years. And he bowed out like your dad when he thought the time was right. You can't go on forever. But what was it like growing up? in a rugby league household where you used to sit. Uh, you're, yeah. I think, 51, and so there's a 27-year age bracket. Dad was certainly involved in rugby league at, at that age. But what was it like sitting in a lounge room listening to your dad broadcast the, the, the pinnacle of a sport that you fell in mm. love with?
3: Well, it's funny that a lot of you know, people way back when, when I was a kid growing up, they asked the same sort of question. But it was just my dad doing his, doing his job. I was very fortunate that, you know, rugby league in our house, we we lived and ate it and breathed it and ate it for breakfast, lunch and tea. And he was very, uh, he was always, you know, oftentimes my coach and he coached all our junior footy team. So, yeah, you know, it was, it was a rugby league household and not much room for anything else. But, uh, you know, the, I, I often went to work with him. In fact, nearly every weekend I would go to the footy and take one of my mates along and, uh, you know, we'd tag along and, and climb up into the commentary box or back then it might have been a scaffold and you'd climb up the rickety rickety ladder and then you were fortunate enough to, to go into the dressing room post-match and you sort of took it for granted, you know, and, and all my mates would say, oh God, you're so lucky to go in there and, you know, rub shoulders with the likes of Mick Cronin and and, and you know, those sort of people and, and Ray Price. And I remember images of, of Ray Price, you know, in a bathtub at Cumberland Oval with the You know, strapped in ice and a KB can in his his hand, and um, you know, it was was a wonderful experience, something I probably took a bit for granted, but um, you know, I loved it, it was was a wonderful ride. Being you know, the son of of the best rugby league caller in the business, um, wouldn't change it for a minute. Mm. A different childhood, but um, you know, one that I, I thoroughly enjoyed, and funnily enough, I I sort of fell into the commentary game myself. I didn't want to really follow in my dad's footsteps, but it happened for whatever reason. And um, now I find my young kids coming to the game with me when I call.
2: Interesting. I was, that was going to be my next question. Uh, I'm certainly not in the league of your father. But, you know, I've, I do and have called sport for many, many years, primarily mm. on radio. And used to, I used to take my son along uh, every now and then. And he used yeah. to sit alongside. Did dad do that with young Chris?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we would generally go and play our junior footy, which might've been on a Saturday or a Sunday or both. Um, he'd be coaching and then we'd come home. I remember on a Sunday, we'd we'd generally rush in maybe a, a baked dinner for lunch. Then we'd be in the car and we'd be off to Cogra, and one of my mates would generally be coming along with me as well. And I would have been about, I don't know, nine, 10, 11 years of age. And that was just the way it was. That was our weekend, you know? And I, I, um, I took my boys, they come along pretty much to, to all my games when I'm calling, and, and they sort of love it. They probably take it a bit for granted. And as well, we, we went at the weekend. As you know, I'm working with West Tigers at the moment. So um, I took my young boys to the, to the game at the weekend. We were beaten by South Sydney at ANZ Stadium or a core. And you know, they were luckily enough lucky enough to come into the dressing rooms post-match and, and meet the coach and a few of the players. And um, it's funny, isn't it, how, how the wheel the wheel mm. turns but you know, it's it's been a yeah you know, a wonderful career for dad and you, you talk about Dennis Cometty and a lot of people funnily enough they say a lot of similarities in Dennis and Rabs in terms of, of their voice and their yeah. NCAA, the way they pronounce words and all that sort of thing but yeah two very very good sports commentators. You make
2: a very good point there they've got great uh, voices that never fatigue listeners and that's been the case for Ray Warren, and Dennis Kamedi. So saying that, uh, he's 78 years young. As we know, he called at three Olympics for nine. He called the swimming, and he's also done horse racing. And as a boy, I believe, he called uh, marbles rolling down a hill in his hometown of Juni as a child, calling it as if it was a horse race. So it wasn't just rugby league that he was interested in?
3: No, not at all. No, well, he started out his joy, his passion, and and, um, his dad, my late granddad, Joe Warren, um... He loved a little flutter on the horses, and I think that was the biggest mistake he'd ever allowed dad to have a bet as a, as a young kid. And, uh, well, Ray's still um, having you know, one too many flutters on the horses. But, no, it was actually in his house at Junee. They, he would roll the marbles down the uh, the lino floor down the hallway <laughs> and give them all names, the horses. And that was his passion for going to horse racing. And as you say, he, he went on to call, I think, three Melbourne Cups. with uh, would have been Channel 10 at the time. And then fell into Rugby League. Um, I think that was with 2GB after starting out at, I think, 2LF and Young. Mm. And was very, very good at it, you know. And there's a big difference, too, with, with radio commentary and, and television commentary. But you're right. You, you, he's one of those voices that you, I think you described it as soothing. And I think you're right. Even people that don't follow the game um, as close as, as I might. And, you know, mightn't be Rugby League fans. But they, they sort of say it's just nice having... Rab's on in the background. Um, It was. It it is quite unique, yeah.
2: Now, I had the pleasure of interviewing him a couple of times during my media stint. Uh, He's a lovely man. Pass on our best wishes to him. Happy retirement. I know he's still going to be involved with Nine's Wide World of Sport. And, Chris, thanks for joining us on the program. Much appreciated.
3: No, my pleasure. Take
2: care. Good on you. Chris Warren, uh, the son of Ray Rab's Warren, who today uh, decided to pull the pin on rugby league broadcasting after what's been a stellar career. Thanks to my producers, Jimmy and also Bray. It's been a good show. I've enjoyed it. Back with AFL Team Selections Night tomorrow night from 5. See you then.